Father, we thank you that you have gathered us today by your grace. Please speak to us through your word. And we pray and we ask that you would remove any stray thoughts or distractions from our minds and our hearts so that we may clearly hear from you alone. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, today's sermon, actually it's a standalone sermon. We don't have much of these. Uh, what's happening is that we're actually going into a new series in Matthew, uh, starting in 2023, but that'll be next week. Uh, that's what Andrew will be preaching um, across the hall, and next week he'll be preaching that. So we have a, a, a unique opportunity here in Smack uh, to be addressing something. And given this uh, unique opportunity, I was thinking, what around this question about what 2023 will be for each of us? For some people, it's just another day. It's just another day in the calendar. It's another 24 hours. The, the earth rotates, then the sun comes up. It's a new day. But for most, it's the beginning of a new calendar, uh, beginning of a new school term. You just received your year-end bonus last month. That means you, it's another 12 months away from your next bonus. I don't know, for some of you. Uh, for some of you, it's a new beginning. Uh, another notch to add on anniversaries and, and, and birthdays. But for some of us, it's another new year that we're going to spend without loved ones whom we had to say goodbye. And make no mistake, the past three years are historic because of what we've came out from. And we've come now, finally, at a time where we can look ahead and say, 2023 will not be like the past three years, God willing. So as such, uh, uh, there's this much to also reflect on God's grace bringing us out of the past three years. So I've chosen uh, Romans 12 verses 1 to 8 that we've just read uh, for us to invite us to reflect on God's grace, for us to respond rightly to Him this year. And another reason why I chose this passage was because I feel that the book of Romans, Rome being the capital of the empire at that time, and Paul writing to a church he didn't know, he was writing to a church who was affluent, and, and, and influential. And they, had a, they were a minority in the city that they were in with a very countercultural message that they, they found themselves in, isn't it? So I feel that there are parallels there for us to look at uh, in Romans. So unfortunately, next week, we're not going through an exegetical series in Romans, unfortunately. Next week, we'll be doing Matthew. But for now, for now, we look at Romans. Okay? Ah, let's Okay, uh, as I mentioned, we're seeing Romans 12, verse 1, okay? And we're looking at what happened before that. So Romans chapter 12 is chapter 12 of uh, Romans, the book of Romans, and we need to know what happened before. So allow me to just quickly try to recap 11 chapters uh, in four quick points, okay? First is that Paul would respond to the whole 12, uh, chapter 12 of Romans with the gospel. So it begins, the gospel begins by stating that God made everything. That the world is created by a good and holy God. Okay? This is the reality. No matter you, whether you believe it or not, you can't escape this reality that God made everything. You can deny it, you can try to run away from it, but you can't deny it. This is God's truth, that he made everything and that he is good. That he made us good that he made his creation to be holy. But wait a minute, you look at the world out there, you don't see a good world. You don't see a world where everything is what it's meant to be. You see a world of suffering, of pain, of death, and that's because of the second point. Because we human beings were made to exist under God's rule. We were put in charge of this world, believe it or not. But we made the mistake of turning away from him. 
from our very first parents on to every human that have ever existed ever since, we have turned away from God. All have sinned. That's what Romans 5, 12 would say. We've all sinned. We've all turned away. We, we say, God, we don't want anything to do with you, anything to do with your goodness. And that's why the, the rightful consequence, if God's the source of goodness and life, we have disaster and death. And, and, and because we rebelled, we were in charge of the whole world, the whole world fell with us. And God is rightfully, as the one who made it, made this world angry, upset, and he desires to destroy evil. But that's where we are. All of us who have turned away from him, who rebel against him, we are in the hands of a holy God who will make everything new and destroy all evil, including people of evil, which is all of us, actually. And the good news comes in the third point, is that God didn't leave us to our doom. God is good. He doesn't desire any to perish, even if it's perishing at the consequences of our own mistakes. So God sent His Son, Jesus, to be born into our humanity. While we were still His enemies, while we did nothing to deserve this, while we were still in the midst of our sin, Jesus came into our humanity, became like us. That's what we celebrated at Christmas, so that He could live the perfect sinless life we couldn't live. And He died an innocent death. He didn't deserve, but that we deserved. And in doing so, he made it possible to exchange places with us. You see, Jesus being sinless died a sinner's death on the cross. That's the death we deserved because we are the sinners. But he did it so that he could exchange places with us. And that's number four. The hope now, the gospel now, is that for all who believe in him, who put their trust in him, the Bible says that we have been united with Him. And that, that union is such that our sins have been united with His death on the cross. That punishment that we were waiting fully on the cross, united with Him. And that's, not, that's just half of the bargain. The other half is that we get His life. Because Jesus didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose again. And it, it would have been enough if He just cleared our debt. But He went beyond that, isn't it? We united with him when he rose from that. He brought us up with him. So Romans will end with saying that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, that we are meant to be resurrected with him, ruling and reigning with him for eternity, for the, the one who has been united with Christ. Death is not uh, uh, something to be lost, but it's a gain because we gain Christ and with Christ we gain eternal life. And the Bible defines eternal life not as existing forever, but as having not just eternal length of life, but an eternal quality of life. And that's only found in God alone. So that is the gospel. That is the good news that, that Paul wanted the Romans to know. To this church who is so rich, who is so affluent, he wanted them to know this. That's what we're responding to today. And, and none of us deserved to be loved this way by God, that he would send his only son to die for us. None of us did any good to deserve it. There's nothing special about any of us that we deserve this. This love that God gives is offered freely to all. That our God is a saving God. Our God is a holy God. And that is good news. He is good news. It's not just that we can be saved, but that God himself offers himself to us so if today you're seated here and maybe Jesus isn't your Lord, maybe you're just curious about this, I'm so glad that you're here. 
And I know it's no accident that you sit here with us. Maybe your friend dragged you in for New Year's. I'm not, I don't know why you're here. But if you're here with us and you have not known Jesus as your Lord, maybe God wants you to know that Jesus died for you as well. That his blood more than makes up for any past things that's in your history. That what Jesus did on the cross when he shed his blood for you, that could forgive any wrongdoing that you have in your past. It makes all sinners righteous before him. So would you believe in him today? And if you do, uh, please let us know so that we can, we, we can celebrate with you and walk with you in your next steps. But for the rest of us, let's get into our sermon. So this will be the outline for us today, uh, going through Romans chapter 12. Oh, sorry, one slide back. Wait, oh, sorry. Just now was the correct slide. Yeah, so there's three parts. Uh, first, we, we're looking at eight verses. Grace transforms our minds. Grace humbles our perspectives. And grace enables our service. And the main takeaway for us today is that because of God's grace, we are transformed to live for Him as one body of Christ using His gifts. Grace just means something that you don't deserve. Kindness that's not deserved, and that's grace. Because of what I just said of what God has given to us. There's a call for a response. There's a right way to respond and there's a wrong way to respond, isn't it? So let's begin with verse one. Right off the bat, in response to God's amazing grace, Paul appeals. Okay? He exhorts, he strongly urges the Romans in light of God's mercy. Uh, that is how God has saved him at great cost to himself, how God demonstrated his love, that God didn't hold back anything of himself in his effort to save us. What's the response? The only apt response to such a great love is to reciprocate by giving all. God didn't hold back, so neither should we. And that's why he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In contrast to sacrifices at the temple, which were usually dead, and, and just a, a token part of your accumulated possessions. No, you are to offer yourself, your whole self, as a sacrifice to God. And this is holy, which means set apart. It's for God alone. Okay? Because of the radical way in which he loved us, hence our response should be radical and acceptable to him, pleasing to him, what he wants, what he thinks is good. Because this is a spiritual act of worship. Now, there's a bit of translation disagreement I have here with the word spiritual because it's actually the word logical, logic, right? The logical act of service. So the way I would put it is the reasonable uh, response to God's grace is to be grateful in return and give of ourselves as well because he has loved us so greatly. Now, how, how does that play out? I'm glad you asked. That's seen in verse 2. So Paul gives uh, this, this general um, advice in verse 2 that will actually highlight the rest of the chapters in Romans through verse, uh, chapter 15. Do not be conformed to this world. To give ourselves fully to God flies in the face of everything that the world will tell us today. The world will say, the answer is within yourself. Trust your heart. But the Bible tells us that the heart is above all things deceitful. And that the way that you follow your heart, you will lead to death. It says this multiple times in Proverbs. Or the world will say, find your truth. 
Don't let anyone else tell you how to live your truth as if truth was subjective. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. That truth is objective. We don't get to choose if God created this world, if there's a holy God waiting us after death. We don't get to choose that because truth is objective. So we, we don't be molded by what the world says, but we'll be shaped by what God says is true. Allow God's truth to guide us to what is good, to what is holy, to what is acceptable and what is perfect. And that's what believers, we are called to be molded into. Because God created all of reality. He, what he says is of true value, is of true value. Okay? So that leads us to our first principle. And that is, we no longer belong to the world as believers. We belong to God. It's about what, it's, it's, it's freeing because, because we don't belong to the world anymore. We no longer have the pressure to compare ourselves with how well our peers or the people around us are doing. Some social media form of keeping up with the Joneses, with the cars that people are driving, with the houses they stay in, the vacations people have. Social media is so nice. Now, nothing wrong about vacations or houses. Please don't hear me wrong. Don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, you have them? That's great. It's God's blessing? That's fine. But don't allow these things to be the source of your anxiety, insecurity, and dissatisfaction because these things, the Bible says, are not of true value. And I don't want you to be bogged down by things that's not of true value. We have been saved at too great a cost, brothers and sisters, to go back to things that won't satisfy us, that would, after death, be a disappointment. We are saved at too great a cost to allow our lives to be dictated by things that are temporary, things that will be destroyed with this world. So we've been saved to eternal life. Let us be living for God's glory, to things that truly matter for eternity. And that may not be our job or our house or our stuff or our bank account balance or even what people think of you. No, no, no. Things of eternal value are what God thinks of you what you do for him, who you've shared the gospel with. Those are things that matter for eternity. And these are not things that will look glamorous on social media. They will not be celebrated by the world. But it doesn't matter because we no longer belong to the world. And that should be how we should be transformed. And that shapes our, next, our, our perspective, how grace humbles our perspective away from the world into what God has from us. And that's our second uh, section from verse 3. For by the grace given to me, okay, Paul, in receiving God's grace, tells God's people, he's a, a strong message for everyone. By the grace given me, I say to everyone, everyone among you, listen up, what's Paul's message? Not to think of him or herself more highly than he or she ought to think. Literally, it says, not hyperthink of yourself than necessary. So, you see, here's the thing. There's, on one hand, the, the, the world would, would inflate yourself to think about yourself. Your comfort, your preferences, your desires. Think of yourself too much. Puff that up. Uh, individualism, pride. But then again, on the other hand, I'm speaking to a largely Asian church, and there's an Asian sense of 
modesty or Asian humility. But I will argue neither of these are biblical. Because Asian humility is just about debasing yourself. When someone bows this way, you bow a bit lower. And then you bow lower, and then you bow lower. Someone's on the floor, I don't know. <laughs> right? You, you, you debase yourself, but that is not biblical humility. It's not about debasing yourself. Biblical humility is about thinking of yourself rightly in terms of who God is and who are you before God. And when you see God, naturally the inclination is not to think of yourself, but to think of Him and those He loves. It's not thinking less of yourself, as, one, as C.S. Lewis would say, it's thinking of yourself less. That's biblical humility. So don't think too much of yourself than necessary, but when you consider yourself, you consider yourself uh, with sober judgment, or literally, be of sound mind, to, to assess yourself according to how God sees you. Okay? How God sees you. What God says is true of you. And what does God say of all of us here? Again, that we're all sinners. We don't deserve to be saved. None of us here has any boasting rights of being holier than the next person because all of us were rotten sinners that needed grace. So there's no basis of judgment of who's doing better than who amongst God's people. We've been saved by grace equal. No matter where you've come from or what background you've come from, you've been saved by grace and you've been saved for His glory. And you're called to be living your life for Him and for those He loves. And that's the same for all of us here, isn't it? And we do so each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay? And, and let me explain this here. What's this measure of faith? There are, there are many ways to interpret this, but I would view this as the ability God has entrusted to us. And this, this measure of faith is explained in the next section. Next verse. Okay? The measure of faith is seen in context of being in one body. That God assigns faith in the way that we are members of one body with different functions. So, the measure of faith in which we do to soundly think of ourselves are how are we a part of Christ's body? And as different members of the body have different functions, thus they are entrusted with different degrees of grace. Now here, the word faith uh, could also mean faithfulness. The same word, pistos, right? Pisteos. Faith, faithful and faith. It reflects in the English language as well. And I would lean more towards faithfulness. Different degrees of faithfulness. We are not about ourselves. We're not individualistic in that manner. But as living sacrifices, we offer ourselves to God to be a part of His body, to be a part of what He is doing. That God's will somehow boggles the mind is to make His mission known, make Himself known to this world that needs His truth by His church. All of us here, look around. We, I don't know why, I don't know why God would choose someone like me even, but we are all God's chosen agents of change in this world. His body, his church is but the pinnacle of what he means to display his glory, his grace, and his gospel. And we, in perspective, we are members of one another. And that's our next principle. That as we humble our perspective to take our minds off of ourselves, we remember that we are a part of the body, that the church will endure. It has endured for 2,000 years and will continue to endure 
God, Christ will build his church. Now, what does it mean to be members of one another? Coming out of these three years of isolation and fear, for a time we couldn't gather physically together, and we're thinking, maybe that's all right, and trying it out and realizing, no, it can't replace being together, sharing com- community together, realizing that we need each other. If not anything, these three years has taught me is that we need to be thinking of each other, not of ourselves. And, and, and like we should be thinking of ourselves in the perspective that we belong to God and belong to each other. And in so much, again, that God did not hold back in giving us everything to save us, we don't hold back in availing ourselves for him, for his purposes, for his glory, for his kingdom. And in doing so, we treasure, what we treasure is each other. So let me ask, do you have Christian community? Do you have brothers and sisters in Christ that surround you and encourage you in Christ, who, with whom you can rejoice with? So with the new year comes new celebrations. Are there Christian brothers and sisters in which you celebrate with? Are they here among this hall? And likewise, like I've mentioned earlier, there are some people for whom this new year is difficult. And likewise, are there Christian brothers and sisters with whom you walk with, grieve with, cry with, that they remind you, hold you fast? Christian, we are meant to exist in community with one another. We can't do this Christian life without each other. Please don't do this alone. For those of you, if you're in a GG, if you're in a small group already, that's great. But don't let small group just be something that you sometimes go commit to that community if you're able to. Right? Find that right community and say, this is where I want to belong. This is where I want to be faithful to God in. There are some for whom GG may not, growth groups may not be feasible. But it doesn't mean you don't search for community still. Now, here's where uh, if any of you need to be working through what community means for you, uh, let us know uh, and I'll be in touch. I would love to work through what that means for each and every one of you. If you want to be a part of us, uh, a community here at SMAC, how does that look like for each of you? Okay? Now, uh, next we'll see how this body should function. Some, some ideas for us how to function in our next section. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Paul just said to each and every one of us is a measure of faith and that measure of faith is seen in the gifts that's given. The Everyone is given a gift. And the gifts are meant to operate in community. And in so much as you find yourself an isolated island, a lone wolf, you are depriving Christ's body from his gifts. You are depriving other brothers and sisters who may need that special gift that you bring, that special spark that you bring to the table. You may look at yourself and think, oh, I don't bring anything special. I beg to differ. All of us, by by, by, by virtue of our life experiences, who we are, how God has shaped us, bring a unique flavor to God's grace of how God's grace has come into our life. Maybe the challenges that we've went through are so that we can also help others along. The pain that we share, that we went through, maybe can, can be encouraging for someone else who's maybe going, going through the same thing. There's no tension that sees you except what is common to man, Right? that we all are meant to survive and endure together. Everyone has a gift. And I'm I'm just going to run through the the list real quick. There's seven gifts here. But the the, the one takeaway, if you forget everything I say later, is this. 
none of these gifts operate in isolation. Prophecy is meant to be spoken to one another. Service is not meant to be self-serving. You're serving one another. Teaching, you're not teaching yourself, you're teaching others. Same exhortation, contribution, leading, and acts of mercy. So how does this look like? Prophecy, you can't, uh, prophecy is the foretelling of the word of God according to the rationale of faith, according to what God has given. And that, the primary means of that is the Bible. So prophecy can take many shapes and forms, okay? But primarily, it needs to be in line with God's word. There are some people who are really in line with God's word who are able to give uh, maybe a, a contemporaneous word, but from, it needs to be consistent with the truths from the Bible, Someone suddenly says, I have a prophecy that God will bless you with a million dollars if you just put 10 ringgit in the offering box. That's not biblical. It's not based on God's truth, okay? So prophecy needs to be in line with God's truth. What's next? Service. The word here is diakonon. Service, ministry. Use of even leaders in the church. Because in the church, if you are to be great, you have to be the one who serves. The one who teaches there are people who are just gifted in, in walking people into truth, explaining something and have it received and comprehended well. Exhortation, encouragement. The word here is parakaleo. It's the exact same word as the paraclete or the Holy Spirit's work in coming alongside to comfort and to help. And there's such uh, encouraging brothers and sisters out there who, who have a word of comfort and encouragement who, if, if you're going through a tough time, they are the first person you call. And, and this giving, to the one who contributes, literally giving, sharing, imparting, to do so generously, liberally, in simplicity. And this may not just mean physical sharing of material wealth, but it could also be as simple as sharing the gospel, okay, with simplicity. There's those who lead, those who rule over something, who are given a task to do so with diligence or zeal, enthusiasm, and sincerity. And last but not least, those who do acts of mercy. Kindness to people who will not reciprocate. To do so with cheerfulness, with, with graciousness, and with, with a clarity, with, with, with responsiveness. People who are inclined to mercy. Now, we've all been given gifts. And even if you don't resonate with any of these seven, the truth is that this list is not exhaustive. So we come to our final principle. And that is, believers have been graciously enabled to function as Christ's body. If Christ has given us a command, do not be conformed by the ways of this world, but to live for his church, for him and his glory. It makes sense then to, to, to also say that he has enabled us with the means to be able to do so. So I refuse to believe that there's any among here who are not equipped to serve his church, to not able to encourage anyone at all. I refuse to believe that. Okay? We can all serve one another. We have been saved by grace from our own self, our sins and our consequences, to live for God, for his purposes, his goals, his glory. And, and, and living for his glory, it's not as if like we give everything and we didn't benefit. We benefit by in making ourselves in line with God's purposes. And God's purposes for this earth it's through his church. So if we're, again, I, I say again, if we are sinners saved by grace, 
boasting has no place. Because we are all works in progress. The brother or sister that maybe you find a bit annoying, don't look at them, okay, don't look at them, but <coughs> they need to grow in grace. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to grow in patience and grace as well. But whatever it is, we are growing together in Christ-likeness. We are one body. We should be hurting together. We should be growing together. I can't do it without any of you, just as you can't do it without each other. So maybe because of God's grace, in response to God's grace, be transformed. In 2023, let's just not be living for ourselves or whatever goals you've set for 2023. May your this coming year be surrounded by things that truly matter to God, things of eternal worth, to be living for Him as, God, as Christ's body, using the gifts that He's given. Now, I'll conclude with this thought. There is a member of the body Okay, in, in, using the body as an uh, analogy, right? There's a member of the physical body that displays amazing growth and amazing multiplication because it looks out for its own, of its own kind and multiplies of its own kind. And it's great at, at, at taking resources and, and growing faster than anything else of the body. And sometimes it's done at the detriment to the rest of the body. It's cancer, literally, Right? Cancer grows faster. It, it, it forces the body to grow new blood vessels to supply itself. And it grows beyond the capacity and the needs for the body, regardless if it destroys or kills the body. It's cancer. I pray that none of us are here to feed ourselves as a consumer, to just scratch our own itch, tick a box. Oh, the worship was great today. Oh, oh the, the preacher today? Yeah. And we leave either disgruntled or encouraged based on what we receive as a consumer. My prayer is for, for none of us to be that way, but rather be asking yourself, today's the Lord's day. We're going to gather as God's people. Who can I speak to today? Who maybe is looking a bit down that I need to encourage today? And there's, I thank God for all who are so excellent at doing so. I saw a greeting time, you know, you were talking amongst each other. Maybe some of you are introverts and that's scary. Um, but it's, it's part and parcel of being together. So how can we be building his church? Exhorting one another. I, I thank God that smack coming out of the, this past three years didn't collapse immediately. Uh, but we, we went through a lot. We lost our pastor. Uh, I, I came in halfway through the pandemic, to be honest. Uh, we were forced into times of isolation. And there was all that chaos of what to do coming back, what were we allowed to do, what not allowed to do, uh, and, and making sure that things are safe. And we thank God. I thank God for all who are here who serve faithfully. The fact that we have a SMAC 1 in 2023, uh, I won't take any credit for it. It's not me, but it's all, you know who you are, who have faithfully served behind the lines, asked for nothing, and, and given of your time and energy serving God's people. And I pray that we, we definitely have room to grow. Uh, we've not, we're not worked everything out yet. There may be some things that we need to improve better, coming back on, um, back physically. Uh, but I pray that we can grow together as we respond to God's grace as His body here in St. Mary's. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that no matter where we've come from, no matter how um, these past three years has been for all of us, the one thing that we can agree on, Lord, is your grace.
to each and every one of us. We thank you for your kindness to us that we don't deserve. Forgive us, Father, for the times that we've taken for granted all the goodness that you've given us and that we've just ignored what matters to you and we instead pursued what mattered to us. If any of us here have been coming with an idea mentality of a consumer, I pray, Lord, that you will help us repent and turn from that because that doesn't glorify you. Help us, O oh Lord, to be living for you. Help us, O oh Lord, to be looking for authentic community. And yes, Lord, for those of us who don't have it, it's, it's scary. So I pray and ask, Lord, that you will be with those who maybe are isolated or alone. May you bring people in their life that they may grow in faithfulness to you. And at the end of the day, Lord, may we all face you on that day when we see you face to face with the acknowledgement that we've been faithful and that we've knowledge and, and that we've been transformed by your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.